podcast. This is our first one. And we have a, a, my amazing friend, Mark Bartels, is here today. We're going to talk to chefs, or we're going to talk to philanthropists. I like the S's on the end of that. We're going to talk to business leaders, like Mark. We're going to talk to artists. Um, it's just going to be cool. It really is. And uh, I want to just quickly introduce Mark and his team at invoice to go who he's a, the CFO for over at invoice to go Mark also used to be uh, the CEO at StumbleUpon. It's worth noting. But at invoice to go uh, if you haven't heard of their app, it's designed as a simple expense tracking invoice reporting tool for small businesses. But today, we welcome Mark Bartels, my friend, your new favorite friend via the podcast, Mark Bartels. How often do you Google yourself? How often do I Google myself? Do you ever just like, oh, anything, any new weird picture show up or... You know, like um, <laughs> or perhaps you got that. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it's. I don't think people Google themselves anymore. I think people. I think people type their name into Twitter, and, really? and so I've done that before. And you, you type your name and you see if anything comes up. Uh, because I, what I comes up when you? Well, like, you know, someone mentioned you, or um, I, mean, I don't get a ton of that. But it's. I feel like Twitter now is, in a sense, better than. Than, than Google because Twitter's right now what's happening uh-huh. and I'll find myself you know when something comes up in the news I don't go to a Google search bar anymore I'll go and see what's trending on Twitter mm. and it's actually I mean you saw this you know with, the, with, with, with what happened in Dallas where you, know, you had that shooting which was which was tragic and um, you know the 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 Broadcast and the cable cable news was probably two three hours behind what was going on, and if you truly wanted to know what was going on, um, you typed it into Twitter and you got you got to, you got to filter through some of the some of the trash. But, yes, um, you get you get a real signal out of Twitter, and so I uh, that's that's what I'd use first um, if I want to find out what's going on with me or if I want to find out what's going on uh, with Caltrain delays. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so you're South African. Mm-hmm. We know each other because my wife is South African. Correct. And uh, so that's what the, the crowd we run with. Yeah. And and so I I've all, I have this like Twitter strain I did, which I rarely I never post anything, but it's all about these mother-in-law quotes because I was in I'm Cape Town and something. My mother-in-law says these brilliant things, and I'm like, yeah. what is that? Mm-hmm. But I think this is your language. Mm. Yeah. So I'm gonna say them to you, and you can you can decode it for me. Oh uh, yeah, well, well, South Africans talk. We we use a lot of extended metaphors, and we use a lot of parables and stories to get our point mm-hmm. across. So I'm gonna ask you some of your favorites because you said something to me that um, are my favorites. But here's here's one from Maureen. Okay, so these are these are homegrown South African. Hundred percent, hundred percent South African. Quotes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not remastered. Mm-hmm. These aren't like the Noel version. Mm-hmm. These aren't like African proverbs. These no. are the real deal. Yeah. Right. Okay. Don't go and find the monkey behind the mountain. What does that mean? I think it's. I think it. It means, you know, go, don't go look for trouble. Right. Like the other one we have is, you know, this person's got a monkey on their back. You do yes. that one. You, know, yes. you got a monkey on your back. 
Um, we're carrying extra weight for no reason. Yeah, it's like you've, you've got a chip on your shoulder. Okay. Someone's got a monkey on their back. Yeah. Right? A lot of monkey parables, like <laughs> monkey, monkey's wedding. Yes. You know a monkey's wedding, right? I love a monkey's wedding. It yeah. calls out the tablecloth. Oh, the tablecloth. <laughs> it's amazing. Every time, every time I, I, if I go up to Lafayette Park, um, from Lafayette Park, there's a, there's a beautiful view of Sutro Tower. And uh, I was up there with my brother the other morning, and this cloud, this white tablecloth, was starting, to, was so starting to come over the top of Sutro. And you could see Sutro peeking through. And every time I see that, I think about the tablecloth over Table Mountain. And then you text me a photo. And I, text, and I, and I take a photo and I text <laughs> Jeff and I go, tablecloth! Because every time Jeff is in Cape Town and you look at Table Mountain and there's a cloud coming over the top, a Cape Townian will say to Jeff, you know we call that the tablecloth. Yeah, do you know that that's <laughs> do you know that? oh, that's the tablecloth? We call that the tablecloth. And so every time I see it, I could be in Point Reyes, I could be in Cape Town, I could be... I could be on Caltrain and I could see some <laughs> fog coming over, coming over from San Bruno and I will text Jeff for the tablecloth. <laughs> um, so yeah, monkey's wedding. Monkey's wedding. Um, I mean, we know, you know, can you explain what a monkey's wedding is? A monkey's wedding is uh, when it rains and it, there's sunshine at the exact same time. Correct. What's going on? Exactly. What is happening here? It's a monkey's it's wedding. It's raining and it's sunny. The only explanation is that someone's met a, a wedding and it's probably a monkey. Exactly. It's exactly right. <laughs> that's, that's, That makes perfect it, sense, it, it, doesn't it, it? It always delights me. I mean, it, it can... It, <laughs> yeah, you take that too. Yeah, anytime, anytime. <laughs> but actually, I see... Uh, you, you, you do that too. I'll see the, the occasional times you do use Twitter. It'll to, to be announced among his wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's another one. Oh, that one's not. That's good. Oh, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. Oh, that's a. I don't know if that's a South African saying, but it's a. But it's a very common saying where you know it's. Um, if someone's given you a gift, uh, be grateful. Um, you know, don't examine the horse's teeth and and start looking for. Products. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting. Be grateful, about it. It, right? Like, picturing, uh, what does that actually mean? It means like, what are you going to go? Yeah, and open the mouth. And lips and, yeah, open the mouth and start uh, really nitpicking it, right? And have the dentures. Yeah, it's so like someone gives you something for free or someone does you a favor, don't nitpick it. Like, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I don't think that's an average saying, though. Right? Maybe it's, um, it's not South African, but it's not in everybody's common lexicon, right? Yeah, maybe. Um, it's good. But, but it is great. It's a good yeah. lesson, right? Like, no free lunches, right? Like right. There are no free lunches in life, right? I mean, that's a bit more of an American thing, but that, that means you're gonna have to pay later. Well, it just means that everything, everything somebody. in life, there, it's there is some kind of transaction that's gonna happen. So you need to just be aware of that, mm. right? So if something really good happens, you've got to ask yourself, yeah, you know, like you know, free lunches. I like the don't look a gift horse in the mouth because it means uh, be gracious, you know. It means. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Oh my yeah. gosh, a horse? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I could ride it. Yeah, even, it the even if it's lame, so nice. later on, you could eat it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, other ways exactly. you can use the horse, yeah. right? Horse rides, yeah. dog meat. <laughs> exactly. All kinds of different things. <laughs> okay. Um, or he doesn't think past his nose. Short-sighted. You know, short term, um, 
I mean, these are some. These, she's digging deep. Yeah, these are some classics. Yeah, right. Yeah. But she just kept saying them one week, and so I was just like, "Hold on, say it again." Yeah, I mean, I I'm used sorry. to have at, at Stumble Upon that they, they had a, a a board at one stage with certain sayings that I that that I you know that come out of my mouth, yeah, which right. I actually thought were um, completely normal. But, common. Yeah, common. I mean, everybody yeah. should just understand that. But just, uh, um. You know, it's just... It's what were some in, of them? You know, I was trying to think of some. I, I, I'll i just have to kind of go with the flow when they come up. I, you know, right Can around. I remind you of one? Please. Burn the boats. We burn, oh, the, burn boat. the boats. Well, I mean, burning the boats, that's more... Um, what was the name of the uh, Spanish explorer that came to um, South America? And uh, when he Columbus? arrived... No, not Columbus. The, uh, the only one I know. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was... Like, you see, and there was actually another I think it was Troy or something like that where they burned the boats um, but it's essentially you fully committed the, the other one I love is the um, is the crossing the Rubicon you know, we've, we, we've crossed the Rubicon I think that goes back to I think it's one of the is it, is it um, Shakespeare where they uh, the Rubicon is the um the river that was the natural border to Rome. And once you crossed the Rubicon River, it was an act of treason, it was an act of war. And once they crossed the Rubicon with the army, um, it was over. It was You were fully committed. Yeah. And I love that in, in, as a term because it's, it's you know, we have crossed yeah, the Rubicon. Are, yeah. We're now doing it. Yeah. And, and I think I first learned of that term when I was super young in South Africa and... The Prime Minister at the time had made a speech about um, apartheid and it was called the Rubicon speech because he um, he completely committed to um, you know certain legislation and um, that's you know it was seen as a, a massive commitment and it became known as the Rubicon speech and then I later learned that you know there was a genesis to that right is that were renamed. Um, I don't think so. I don't know. Do yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, we have to look that up. Maybe we'll have to put that on Twitter. And see what it, see what comes up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is this boring for you, or shall I keep going? This is great. This is great. Um, I've got the. Oh, still waters run deep. <sighs> oh, I love that. Yeah, that's. Um, I I just love the picture of that, where you look at a. You look at a river that on the surface looks very placid and calm, but deep down there's a strong current. And uh, if you wade in, um, you know, there's, wade. A lot, there's, there's a lot of power, right? Yeah. A lot of power. I mean, we were... We were <laughs> Is there? Mountain, there's power. There's power. You like power? I like power. Mm, that's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we were, I, my, my father's in town right now, and we were looking at a, at a map of, of San Francisco Bay. You've got San Pablo Bay, um, yeah. you know, above, and then you've got um, San Francisco Bay down towards the South Bay. And it's so deep. Um, the bay is so deep. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, if you look, you know, around, even around Redwood City and... Oh, super uh, shallow. Uh, you're going the middle of the bay. Yeah, the middle of the bay. With the, with the, cur- the current is, is, uh-huh. is pushing out past the bridge. I mean, that reminds me of kind of still, you know, in, in a way, like on a beautiful day. Yeah. Where, you know, sometimes you and I have, have been out on the bay, Jeff. Yes. And we were on the other side of the bridge. 
scary. at one stage Sometimes. and there was a lot of water moving yeah and uh, you could even in a, in a small little boat you could really feel the current pushing you right do you remember the, we were we were on the other side of the, on the headlands yeah on the north side of the bridge yeah on the other side of the bridge the west side of the bridge yep it was a you and I and another friend no, I, I remember that yeah. and so the boat was I was trying to hug the coast because yeah. it looked like calmer waters yeah and I didn't want to hit these big waves coming through and the waves and the current just kept wanting to push me into the rocks yeah it kept turning me left yeah. and I was getting super aggravated yeah, no, it was, the boat it was wasn't performing, and uh, it was deep, it was kind of scary. Actually. Yeah, and the current was pushing really hard. That's when you look at the cliffs there, the way that they just drop straight into the water. There's no gradual decline. It shows you how deep the water is there, right? right? Because you can't just wade in there. So I think um, it just reminded me of uh, some of the trips on the little boat on uh, Santos Three. I don't know, but I've got really wet on that boat. <laughs> you what? I've got really wet on that boat. <laughs> oh, the first, remember the first one? The Santos 2 or something? It was like a I've, I've had near-death experiences in all of your boats. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so still waters run deep means, in, in essence, uh, watch out for what's below. Yeah, but just respect, oh, respect what's below. Respect what's below, yeah. Uh, there's power down there. And I think it's... You know, it's like a duck, right? You know, gliding on top, but working really hard. Oh, right. Effortlessly kind of oh. just like quacking around. Yeah, you can... You can it's a um, machine underneath there. Yeah, you can be deceived, right? Like, I think you can get yourself in trouble, right? Like, or you, know, you see these people <laughs> drive through those causeways, right? With, with you know, with, they, they, get, they get brave. They drive through a causeway of, of water and oh, the, yeah, the yeah. car gets washed away. Yeah. Right? Like, that's... Another example, but I, I love that. I love that saying. Um, you know, quiet people. Watch out for quiet people. Right. Um, what about? It's like chalk and cheese. Ah, oh, chalk and cheese. Now that is a favorite. Um, and I've used that a couple of times, and I get a very confused, blank look. Do you have to spell the rest of it out? Chalk and cheese. Um, I do, and people still don't get it. Uh, it truly is just opposites. Yeah. You know, it's like these people are like chalk and cheese. Yeah. And uh, it's just not a saying that's used yet, but I like it because it's um, it's a great way to explain two very, um, you know, opposite personalities. Yeah. Right? Can you imagine eating chalk? <laughs> yeah. And then having a nice piece of cheese. Or like a blackboard and try to draw on it with a piece of cheese. There you go. That's great. <laughs> Maybe cheddar works. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> Or, yeah, um, um, you know, but that's a, that's, a, that's a great thing. Um, terrible use of cheese. <laughs> but that's why I, I kind of use that before and also get confused looks because, you know, I've learned it. Yeah. And I always say, uh, you know, it's like chocolate cheese, you know, they both start with CH, but well, that's, that's they, another way. They, yeah. they taste nothing alike. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that is a good one, though. That's super confusing. Maybe we can you know, usher some of these sayings in. Well, I think that the conversations. Um, you know, I was reading in, in the New York Times. I was reading in the New York Times that storytellers mm-hmm. make more are, are are more attractive. Great storytellers are more attractive partners because um, entertainment. It's entertainment. <laughs> you make people laugh. Um, telling a great story yeah. um, 
is a real art, yeah, right? At a dinner is. party or having friends around and bringing people along. And, and one of the things um, I've learned along the years is when you're telling a story, remember to take people with you. Because at times, like, you start telling a story and you go on your journey. Yes. You look around and everyone's, you know, maybe, like... Still on the bench. <laughs> still on the bench. Yeah. So, uh, I think a great storyteller brings you with. And what do you do? Like, what are some cues? Do you touch him with people? Uh, Slow down. Mm-hmm. Ground yourself. And, um, you know, connect with the people you're talking to. Because I think a lot of the time people... If you notice, people will tell a story and they go into their own head. They start to look up uh-huh. and go, yeah. So then we went to the game farm and yeah, we saw these lions and and everyone's like, wait, well, what about us? Yeah. You know, connect with us. So a bit of eye contact. But it's the, the biggest tip I've had is slow down. So I lived in London with mm. four other South Africans, which is how I met Trey, which is ultimately how I met you. But one thing I picked up really early, um, all the South Africans used my name. When they spoke to me, they would say, yes. Jeff, what would you like for dinner? Yeah. Oh, Jeff, so good to see you. How was work, Jeff? You know? And at first it kind of took me by surprise or I was, you know, it kind of perked my ears up. But um, I learned that it's such an elegant way to connect with people, to yeah. use their name. And it's a simple, simple tool. And yeah. I think that uh, it's so common in our culture here in uh, the States to do that. Mm-hmm. What, to connect personally with someone? To use people's names so yeah. so generously. Yeah. And they, you know, like to be a cynic, somebody said one time, like the most beautiful word in the English language or in anyone's language is their own name. <laughs> yeah. And they like really love it. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, I think sometimes it can feel like your, like your parent, maybe like your parents are getting after you or you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Initially, you're like in this culture thinking, yeah. uh, but why are they using my name? Yeah. Then it becomes more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then you see that that actually has built a connection. And you can I think see, initially yeah, I Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it's a, it's a, it definitely takes a bit of exercise. I, I find that, just talking about South African and American cultures, that South Africans tend to be more curious. So, and at times when, when I first got to the States, people can see that as uh, being a little nosy. And you've got to, you know, it's just, it's part of the deal. South Africans like to know where you're from, where do you live, um, you know, tell me about yourself. And it's not, it's, it's not rude in South Africa to, to do that. And it's not rude to start a random conversation with someone at the airport about mm-hmm. the delay and have a full-on conversation with them. While I've found that I have to be a little bit more guarded um, in the States. And once you break through some of the some of the initial, um, you know, polite barriers that you have, then, then you know, American South Africans exactly the same. But there is they are a little bit more guarded right. um, up front. Um, right. I think that's just because they're just way more many they're way many more people here, um, while South Africa is just a smaller country. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you if you you, you married to a South African, so you know that. Um, we're all very curious. That's right. Right. 100%. I think it's a good. I think it's a good attribute because you actually find out about people, and follow up with them. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, so, what if if you were going to write a book mm. today? Mm. 
I don't think I've ever asked you this question. What yeah. would it be? What was your topic? So, right now, I um, I love the whole um, zombie theme. Uh, that's been wow, that's sci-fi been, or you know, I, science what, fiction here. So what I Zombies. love, what I love is no, what I love about the zombie ones. thing. Like you can talk about, you know, I think it was twenty-eight days later. I think you can talk about um, what was the name? What's the name of the um, the zombie film on TV? Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. You may be on your own here. Yeah, I don't know a lot about zombies. Okay, well let me let me you I, tell I, me about zombies. So, so this is what I love about zombies. <laughs> yes, is that about a couple of years ago it became really popular. Okay, okay. It was Walking Dead. They had that. There was a British comedy about it, and what I realized was that zombies were a metaphor for what all of us were doing every day. Wow. Okay. Where we were all kind of like the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. We wake up in the morning, go to work. We come home, we have dinner, we wake up the next morning. And in a way, that ritual every morning was very zombie-like. Mm-hmm. And what you find in the horror films is when someone is not a zombie, what do the zombies want to do? They want to attack him or they want to attack her and they want to kill her. And because they want, the zombies want you to be like them. And I love that because... Oh, right. Essentially, you've woken up, right? And if you are if you're walking upstream while everybody's walking, say the Caltrain, then you know they want to turn you around. They want you to go in the same direction. So I think that's the underlying theme of a lot of these zombie forms, which is you know even the Matrix, right? It's you know you're in the Matrix, you are you know Keanu Reeves, you're doing your thing, and then you wake up and once you wake up you see the world completely differently and i think that's what appeals to people about mm. these zombie things so I'd, I'd write a book maybe about a post-apocalyptic san francisco everyone's dead i survived because of my south african um, know-how well not know-how like something in south africa gave me like a i was immune yes like maybe, oh, Trey, right. maybe Trey would survive too you and, would be dead okay you know. An inoculation, like um, maybe, yeah, maybe because we were inoculated with TB. But yeah. I, I'd have to, you know. Then where would we go? Maybe I'd have to go up to Shasta, you know, oh, up north, Great because Mountain. Great Mountain, good water. Yeah, you know, we've we've, we've you got, travel for days. Yeah, we've got a mutual friend um, who, uh, and we've actually come up with where we would go. I mean, oh, we really? Sure now. We, we, we've thought about where we we'd have to meet. Um, up, up near Shasta and the nice thing about being near Shasta is there's not that many people you've probably, you probably got more than you asked for here but um, no, this is, this is this, that's yes, where I go but, yeah. No, yeah. but I mean because California is so beautiful and there's so there's so much natural abundance so here. there's an apocalypse you just want to go travel that's what you're saying well I just want to go north I, I love Portland I love Portland and Seattle I'd go up north yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's what I'd write about and then as the um, as the as nature started to take over the city again, and as there were less humans around, other stuff would start to happen. Weird stuff, um, kind of like Stephen King's The Stand, mm-hmm. where magic starts to happen too, because we start to connect more with our environment, and we start to really start to connect to the rhythms of nature again. Because I do think with today's technology and the, the, the rush that we're in, I think sometimes we, we disconnect from, um, from nature, we disconnect from what's more important. And um, 
that that would be the theme of the book. So you'd have the you know you'd have whatever happened, kind of like the Stephen King thing, where people would people would die, but then you'd have kind of a rebirth, and but other weird stuff would start to happen too, other magic, other connections start to happen, and you feel that sometimes if you're out in the bush or you you're out in nature somewhere where you know, Big Sur is a little bit like this, Point Reyes is like this, where I feel like the there's a there's a deeper connection that you sometimes don't get in the city because of all the concrete and the people, um, and you maybe start to get that awareness um, every day. Do you think it's like a buzzing energy or like sea air or mulch dis- disintegrating and and like what is it the, the, about the energy that's different? I think so. Have you been to um, have you been a big sur? Only over the past, kind of driving down to yeah. LA or San Diego. So I feel, I feel like the energy, the, the energy is off the charts out there. I feel like the, and I think Point Reyes is a little bit like this too. I think there's just, um, you know, actually some of the parks in San Francisco are like this too. Lafayette Park, Alta Plaza Park, uh, Golden Gate Park, where I feel like it's been stewarded. I feel like people put back. Um, and they go there and they love the place and that generates even more energy in, in places like that because I, I think a place like Alta Plaza I mean we've, we've both been there um, when you're standing on top of Alta Plaza looking um, south at the west table at the tablecloth yeah. Sutra yeah. I've probably taken a few pictures of that yeah. uh, or you turn around and look north to Tiburon uh, across the bay, mm-hmm. it's powerful energy up there. So you're super like into this and spiritual. And, and I just I, I, I love it. I, I think I think San Francisco is that kind of city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's there is a there's just certain places around the world that that have that attract certain kinds of people. I think I I'm probably wrong on this, but I've heard that I've read that um, the Bay Area has. I think one of the highest concentration of Nobel laureates in the whole world. And I don't think that all of those Nobel laureates were born here. I think that they were attracted here. I think that that was, uh, there's something here that attracts people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, there's, a, there's a, uh, a creative stream. I think it started back in, uh, and a lot of people have talked about this, but it started back in the 60s where you had, you know, the free love movement, you know, which then turned into, you know, open, like if you look at computer programming with open source, with an open source culture of contributing code and contributing ideas to a shared um, repository. Um, it's uh, uh, that continues today where you are stronger together. And that's to me the Bay Area. And I think you know, you've got the energy of the, of, it's a beautiful place. It's kind of like Cape Town. It's, um, there's a high concentration of beauty in this place. Um, and then it attracts these people that come here. And, and not just Americans. I mean, people from Israel and people sure. from India, people yeah, yeah. from China. And, and you've got this, this, this amalgamation of so many different people, creative people. They want to build something. Um, that combined with SF, I think that's that's the formula. It, it's hard to create elsewhere. That's pretty cool. It's pretty dope. 
So, I mean, that, you know, I, I, I wake up every morning and, uh, uh, you know, I'm super grateful and inspired. Yeah. Uh, as an aside, I woke up um, yesterday morning and there were some fires. I think there were some fires in Monterey or LA and the, fo- the, the smoke had come through. Um, oh. And it was it was a beautiful sunrise, and it, um, oh. but it was one of those hazy sunrises because like a smog sunrise. Smog sunrise. sunrise. It gets yeah. more red and exactly. It's like yeah. kind of like it's, it's it's kind of shitty, but it's nice at the same time. Yes. And have you ever been to the National Gallery in uh, London? Um, you know, on Trafalgar Square there. I don't remember if I've been to that one. Yeah. So if you go in there, there's a lot of Sargent pictures and Turner pictures, a lot of British and Irish art. Right. And you know those old. Turner pictures where the, the sky is slow, you know, the sun is slowly starting to set and it's that misty orangey colour with a ship, old ship coming into the harbor. Go on, yeah. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Except I had the Russian embassy in front of consulate in front of me with the flag <laughs> flapping. Yeah. The whole view. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think that someone had tried to get into my emails the night before, so could have could have been, could been the Russian. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, definitely. And they live right there. They do. And like, you can see Russian Embassy from your house. I can. I can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The, the windows are tinted, but I can see. I can see Russia consulate from. Oh house. yeah, hopefully yeah. Um, okay, so I was thinking about. Um, I don't know if you've done much with this lately, but your kind of connection to this deeper level yeah. that you have. But I don't know how much you've uh, done because it was a side project. But you yeah. built this app. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that must have come from that space in you. It, you know, it did. It actually was um, an idea that... that um, and maybe explain that. So it was, it was called The Collective. Um, it was an idea that um, my wife, Lindsay, and I came up with. We were, we were, we were actually at, at Sea Ranch in, um, on the coast. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful place. Yes. Um, and, uh, beautiful architecture. Beautiful. It's kind of like it's all the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of all the same. Um, a little weird, but uh, um, sea's really rough. I'd never swim there. Um, scary. Did you try? No ways. Oh, okay. No, you got to respect the ocean. Still waters run deep, right? And sometimes the gnarly waters. Yeah, exactly. Also run deep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> gnarly, gnarly water is powerful. Yes. That's another saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we had we were thinking about how technology today is, is the great connector. We, um, I think that, you know, people, people say, well, we, we've disconnected. In, in a lot of ways, I think we have connected using mm-hmm. Facebook and using Twitter and using all of the, and FaceTime. Um, and I mean, this is, it, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the genesis of this. I, I think that, um, you know, if you look at, um, religion as a as an example i think that um, christianity was it was was one of the, the the best brands out there it had a great story which is like if you die you go to heaven awesome awesome it had, had a great um you know head of the brand leader right? was like, great. Yeah, great awesome. hair. Like, he, he rose from the dead like this guy had a great message yeah. um, but what really helped christianity spread was the fact that the roman empire had been built and roads had been built all over the Roman Empire and the postal system worked. So not only did you have a great message, but you could spread that message really quickly from Rome to Constantinople. Uh And when I look at today, I see 
Facebook and I see Twitter and I see Snapchat and some of these other social networks as roads. They're the Roman roads of, of 2016. And if you have a great product, um, it's a really efficient way to connect people across the globe. And that's what, you know, we then thought, well, how do we, how do we bring people together uh, around events that they love or around events where they want to show support? Because mm-hmm. you see, you know, some of these events around the world right now from Nice to, um, you know, Orlando, Orlando right, to, Colorado, uh, yeah. you know, to the, what happened in Aurora, to, um, you know, what's happening in Munich. Um, there's this underlying desire f- for humans to connect. It's what we, we ultimately want to do. We're social animals and we, we want to connect. We live in villages. We live, as, live in communities. And we, want to, we wanted to build something that just brought people together and around a particular event or around a particular place. And so all the collective did was um, allow you to send love and support to a particular place or a particular event. And uh, we built it. It was a little side project that we built just to experiment with it and mm-hmm. to see if um, this is something that would resonate with people. Um, I think it was a little early. I think, um, you know, you, you, you and I can talk about this and I think we both get it. Right, we get that people want to connect. We get yes. that people want to that there is something more than just something more than just physical happens when you when you connect. Something 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 spiritual happens too, and um, we still believe in it. Um, but it was a great experiment to to build it and um, to play with it. I think Facebook and I think Twitter do a great job at this, um, connecting people around events. Um, I think, you know, now with Facebook Live and, you know, real-time joy and real-time tragedy happen, I think, uh, happening, I think Facebook's going to have to work out how to channel that in the right way. But um, I think I'm excited about it. I'm excited about technology. I'm excited about how it connects people. And I think it's a good thing. I don't think we should run from it. So that, that was what we built. We built the collective. It was It was a great experiment. And... We'll continue to work on it. Uh, we'll continue to um, try and build a community around it because I do think that awesome things happen when people come together around a common cause and you don't have to physically be in the same place. Right. You, can, you can be around the world and you can connect using the Roman roads of today, um, using social media to come together around an idea because I think that Great funding ideas, great, um, you know, help comes when people sh- people have empathy and context. I mean, you look at what happened with the earthquake in Japan, right? And the, the you know what happened with the the and then the, then the subsequent tidal wave or tsunami. Yeah. Like the, the the whole world came together. I mean, it was amazing, and and you saw that with Orlando, you saw that with Munich, you saw that with Nice. Um, and that gives me a lot of hope when, yeah. when people come together and um, want to fix things. Um, I love that. So that's what um, I, I think that you know, someone else will probably come up with something that's, that, that allows people to channel that energy in the right way. Maybe it's Facebook. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your wife, um, and she is an interior designer, mm-hmm. kind of interior architecture, yeah. interior designer. Super talented, yeah. Uh, and so you live in a house with an interior designer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how that is. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> my wife's also an interior designer. We, we butt heads. Um, but what's your favorite room in the house? Yeah. And why? Um, so we have uh, really focused on simplicity over the last three years. And actually, um, Trey, your wife inspired us a bit with um, one of her comments. I think she was interviewed by someone where you know, she just also believes in um, keeping it simple, right? Don't collect a lot of tchotchkes and put it up on the, on the mantelpiece. Like simplify your life, simplify your mind at the same time. And I think it's the same, I think it's the same thing. And, you know, if you, if you, my favorite room is um, the lounge kind of sunroom that, that, that opens up onto um, a back garden. Um, my favorite moment during the day at our house is when you can open the doors at the back let the sun, let the morning sun flow in um, onto the wooden floors, warm up the floors, and uh, um, yeah, you've got a big, big L-shaped couch and um, nice soft coffee table because we've got an eighteen-month-old uh, kid that's constantly falling over trying to hit his head on things. Right, he's really uh, trying. Yeah, he's really trying. Um, and uh, that's that's my favorite room. I, I love the morning sun. And I love waking up and looking out onto a garden. And I was saying this to my, my mom, my mom and dad are visiting from South Africa. I love an, I, I love a slightly, this is a bit of a contradiction to simplicity, but I love a slightly untidy garden. I love a bit of a wild garden. Really? And that's why I love um, parts of Golden Gate Park, because it's not perfectly manicured. There's a little bit of wildness there, yeah. And you've got your your areas that you can walk, and you've got you know you've got your grass and so on. But you've also got uh, a bit of a wild garden back there, and you've got birds, and you know we've got a cat Beatrice that loves to go out every every morning, and we've got a bell on on her collar because she tries to kill the birds. So we've, oh. we've yeah. You <laughs> save the birds. Yeah, we. Oh, yeah. Is she no, well, well, look, cats are cats are super predators. They are. They, I mean, I think I, it kind of it breaks my heart when I think about how many beautiful birds they probably kill, especially these house cats. Yeah. And you know, you can't. Well, we, you, you know, we don't believe in declawing our cats, right? Um, and I think it's illegal in San Francisco anyway. But they, they, you know, she, go, she goes out. They, <laughs> That's the equivalent of like, give me your hands. Yeah, give me your hands. I'm going to pull your thumb out. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it is. <laughs> So, uh, um, I mean, you could probably take him to yeah. a ring and do it, but like, we don't believe in that. So we, right. have, we, have, we, do, clip her, we do clip her nails. <laughs> and not with the thumb, with the fingernails, but you're right. It's like it the thumb. Yeah. I just mentioned, yeah, it's like, I like your thumb. And actually give me your pinky too. And, but we were told that if you put a bell on your cat, Mm-hmm. Uh, they See. actually become a super super predator because they <laughs> they, 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 they then hunt <laughs> without making the bell ring. Yes. So these they so you're oh, actually training it to be training a, a bigger killer cat machine. But <laughs> at the same time, I do think unfortunately that sooner or later she's going to be eaten by a coyote. But I feel like that's an honourable death for Beatrice. If she goes if she goes by a coyote, it's probably not a bad That's death. the world. It's an honor it's an honorable death. Yeah. Right? Like I'd rather that than, you know, bleed out because she was declawed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that's my favourite room and you know, the back garden and kind of the wild, wild brambles at the back. I I, I love it also. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks, man.
That was fun. Absolute pleasure, Jeff. Should we do it's, it again? Uh, I'd love to. Um, you know, let's you know you win the crowd, you win your freedom. You know, we should uh, we should see what we should see what the people think. That's right. You know, maybe we weirded them out with much with too much energy and spiritual talk. But oh. uh, really, really honored to to sit here and, and, and you know essentially riff with you. Um, you know, I've known you over a decade, longer than a decade, and uh, I just love how you get shit done. So oh, cool. Uh, Likewise. It's uh, yeah, it's really honored to know you. So thanks. Alright man. Cheers.